104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Happy Mother's Day. It is a Sunday. Of course, Mother's Day falls on Sunday, and we want to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. Got several I would like to wish a happy Mother's Day, too. We'll do that a little, little bit later on, but right now, we're joined by one of my favorite mothers, Ned Reynolds. Mm-hmm. How are you, sir? Well, you might want to articulate just a little bit more on that. <laughs> oh, well, I think there's another word that follows that, but no, I'm not allowed no, to say that. No, no, I love Ned. I'm doing great, thank you. Other than the rain and the cold, we're doing fine. And Jake Gillette's with us again today. Jake, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Speaking of mothers, I'm always mothering my employees, so does that make me a mom? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. Josh Roberts, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. This is a a good, nice, stormy day, or it was stormy, but it's clearing off. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good good. day to be inside and take in sports where it's not raining at. That's, That's what I say. You don't have any guilt of yard work or doing anything else. So you can legitimately say, I'm going to stay inside and watch sports, and it's not a big deal. Yep. So let's start out with, uh, I guess, probably the biggest sports story for our area is Albert Pujols. Designated for assignment with the Los Angeles, Anaheim, California, whatever they are, Angels at this point. Ned, can you explain what designated for assignment means? It means that as of, I think, I think the t- my timing is right, as of noon today, he becomes a free agent. And that means that he can make his own deal. Now, the deal will carry with it, of course, the $30 million that the Angels own him, which is probably, since it's prorated, probably about, what, 27-5 here for the rest of this season. I think, in all honesty, it's unlikely that anybody takes him at this juncture. That's not to say that it won't happen later on in the year. I can see a situation in which the Cardinals put him on the roster toward the end of the year if they're way ahead or way behind where it doesn't make any difference and to have him maybe retire as a Cardinal. I can see that happening. I can see also a circumstance in the American League where a tail-ender needing some help at the gate. After all, the guy is the fifth all-time leading home run hitter in all of baseball. Uh, some tail-ender uh, signs him. Of course, by signing him, what they can do in a in a situation like that after the waivers assignment at the major league minimum, which is five hundred seventy, does that sound right? Five hundred seventy thousand dollars somewhere around there, then the Angels are responsible for the rest of it. So it wouldn't cost anybody, but it would allow him to be in baseball. He wants to join the elite seven hundred home run club. I just don't think he can do it. How far out away is he right he now? He is he has uh, six hundred sixty seven, so he needs thirty three more. That's uh, that's a ways to go, especially at his age. Well, it certainly wouldn't happen this year. Probably wouldn't happen. Well, I, I say that probably wouldn't happen. The guy can still hit the long ball, but when you're a designated hitter, you're up there to hit, and his average is one ninety eight. Mm. He'd be perfect fit for my Yankees because most of their uh, batting averages are below two hundred at this point. Because so. <laughs> we're swinging for the fence, man. Yeah, I know, swinging from the heels. But, I, mm-hmm. you know, that's the way the game's played right now. And I don't, yeah, we'll get into that later. We'll talk about some of that stuff later. Jake, what's your take on Pujols? I agree with Ned. Um, it's I, I didn't realize when, when you sent that text out, I immediately started looking at, and I didn't realize how old he was. He, he doesn't look 41, in my opinion. 
Now, Jake, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because there is much speculation that he's a hell of a lot older than 41. i get into that in a second. Oh, that's okay. So yeah, I it, remember that. I remember that controversy when he was fairly young. They were like, well, wait a minute. He's not as young as he says he is. I do. I do. Okay. Now you bring that up. I do remember that. But I was like, man, 41. What a heck of a career, too. <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe it's already been 10 years since he left yeah. St. Louis. That was the real mind-blowing. It was like 10 years ago. Wow. And then how old is he? Oh, he's 41. Oh, okay. I could see maybe why. Let's see his, you know, his numbers. And I could see why the Angels did what they did. What do you think, Josh? Oh, I think he should go back to the Cardinals and retire as a Cardinal. That I'm not a Cardinal fan, but that organization has always seemed to take good care of their star players, even in the latter parts of their career, and let them play maybe when they were a detriment to the team. But, you know, that's who they are. So it makes perfect sense to me Carpenter. that he ends up... Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> it, ends up, it makes perfect sense that he ends up back there to retire as a Cardinal. He has uh, he had 447, I think it is, 447 home runs as a Cardinal. That's where he gained his greatest fame. He out and out admits that one of the great moments in his baseball career was going back to St. Louis last year, or two years ago it was, as an angel, and the several days worth of standing ovations uh-huh. that he got. Uh-huh. Great. He, he loves the Cardinals fans, but where does he fit? He can't play first. You got Goldschmidt there. There is no DH, at least this year. There's none. And to put him on the bench, he would have to take the place of some young and up-and-coming player who, in fact, probably could lend some expertise and some viability to the team. I'm just not sure that uh, Albert can do that right now. Again, if the Cardinals are way ahead or way behind toward the end of the year, yes, I can see it happening then. Tony LaRusa came out yesterday and said that he would love to have Albert Pujols with the White Sox, but no room. And that's one of his biggest supporters. I mean, can you see this being the end for Albert Pujols? And yes, yes. Uh, again, the 41 years of age, there is really a lot of speculation that he is older than that. I remember when he was down here playing for Independence High Boys as a, an American Legion player back in the late 90s. He always looked a whole lot more mm-hmm. mature than the other Legion players on that team. And you say, well, how can he? How can he? fictionalized, so to speak, his birth certificate in the Dominican Republic. I imagine right. you can do a whole lot of things, whatever. Right. He did play high school baseball for Fort Osage, uh, and so he would have had to have present himself there. But again, there are ways around that, and physically, he is a whole lot more mature. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, heavens yes. yes. Oh, yeah, First totally. ballot. Mm-hmm. Do you see any... Sir, I, I, I think this is wishful thinking on a lot of Cardinals fans ideal that he'll come back and and play with the Cardinals as an organization. Josh said it, that they take care of their players. They they had an opportunity to re-sign him many years ago, and and they didn't do it. They passed up on, you know, the big, enormous amounts of money that he was going to bring in with the Angels. Do you see this as as a shot at all? What, What percentage do you give this of even happening? Is it just a pipe dream? It all, again, depends on the the morphing of the team and what they do during the course of the season. I think if they do well uh, and have room for him and it's, he's not going to be jeopardizing their chances, yeah, I can see him coming back and putting maybe some younger kid maybe in the minors. I can see him coming back. I don't think they can do this for one day or two days. I just don't think that would work. And I'm not sure that from a contractual standpoint you can do that sort of thing. But from uh, a month or two months, somewhere around there, again, depending on their standing, yeah. 
I think it's a possibility. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. We're talking about Albert Pujols, who was designated for assignment this week by the Los Angeles, Anaheim, California, West Coast Angels. And uh, that basically means that he's been released by the club. They're still on the hook for his salary, but he can become a free agent. We became a free agent about 10 minutes ago, and nothing's come across the wire imminent. And my question to you, Ned, and we'll get to Jake and Josh on this in just a second, your thoughts on you were saying that maybe somebody later down the road picks up Albert Pujols later in the season. Do you want a guy that's been on, on the shelf for two months? Yep. You do? Sure. He's a name. He's a big name. He's a future Hall of Famer. He is one of the greats. When you take a look at this, and any organization is going to trump his uh, legitimate uh, figures, the fifth all-time leading home run hitter in history Yeah, with Babe Ruth and with Willie. He just passed Willie Mays two years ago. Uh, gosh, with Bonds and Aaron and Ruth and A-Rod and people like that, the fifth all-time, you bet somebody who needs a little hype at the gate could uh, could bring him in. Now, he's going to play. He says he wants to play every day. He can't play every day. He has the foot problems. He isn't quick anymore. Never really was a gazelle. But he does have fairly good hand-eye, although it is for the long ball. If somebody throws it right down the middle, it's gone. He's going to jack it out of the ballpark. But does he have a good eye for picking up all the breaking pitches and off-speed pitches? Not like he used to, no. So basically you're looking at a, a totally a one-dimension, one-dimensional player who, if you throw him a fastball down the middle, which most major league players can, hit out of the park. You're looking at a very special set of circumstances there. That's exactly what it would take, a special set of circumstances. The Cardinals, one way or the other, way ahead, way behind, um, an, an American League team that needs help at the gate. Yeah, he, I don't think his days are done, but his days of being a contributing player, yes, I do think they are done. Jake, how do you feel that Albert Pujols signs like with the Texas Rangers, who are, are you know, they're out of it for next season even. So how do they? How do you see them? I, th- well, I think it all depends on who needs what. I mean, yep. like like Ned said, there is a player out there. There's a team out there that could use Pujols. Uh, the top five teams I was thinking is Royals being number one. Mike Matheny's there. He played with Pujols. He coached Pujols. Um, and he and didn't Pujols go to high school there in Kansas City? Osage, yes. So you have that little draw there. You have the Cardinals. You mentioned the White Sox with Tony La Russa. And then the Oakland Athletics is one that's made some little interest out there. And then the Toronto Blue Jays. It does make sense to him go to the American League because of the DH spot. But... I honestly, at this point, you've got to kind of, if you're Albert Pujols, you kind of bring your ego down a little bit and go, I would like to try to reach that 700 club. Can I do that over the next five years? Just kind of hitting here and there and make it happen. And he needs to maybe not come in and thinking, okay, I'm going to go for a contender team because maybe that contender team doesn't need him right now. Because any contender team basically has their team ready to rock and roll right now, you know. And so that's where I think, I think that he needs to take a step down, realize how old he is and try to get that 700 club and find a, a good home. And if it is here in Missouri, whether the Royals or the, or the Cardinals, and that's where he goes. You're, you mentioned two teams that definitely could not sign him today, and that's the Royals and the A's. They both would be later in the season where they could pick him up for the $500,000. But, you know, that to me, it's just all very sad. And I think we'll talk about that as 
as one of our roundtable discussions. We already talked about players who stay too long. Let's talk about ignominious ends to careers. We'll do that <laughs> as kind of our as our roundtable discussion. Josh, your thoughts? I think it's it's more likely that he's going to end up with an American League team because if he is going to try to stick around to, to get into the 700 club, it's going to have to be as a DH because, like Ned is saying, he, he, he doesn't have the fielding capability that he used to have. Just because of his age, I mean, it's nothing against the guy. He's had a great career, but yeah, I mean, he's he's holding on maybe. And I think uh, Jake, it's it's very uh, it's very nice to for you to think that some professional athlete could let their ego go and uh, take take a step back like that. I doubt if that's going to happen. Yeah, let's let's discuss that for right. just let's discuss that for just a second because uh ned and i have, have been debating back and forth over the last several weeks because the cardinals already have a player on their roster that is junk <laughs> well i was going to try to be nice about it and and it's something we talk uh, we've talked about it every week that we've been on the air for the season that's matt carpenter it's just not gotten better and i asked my buddy michael vincent who played professional baseball I wanted him to kind of break the tie for you and I because I think that he doesn't get it and you think that he does. I asked Mike what he thought and he said, "You know what? He thinks he's one week away." I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't debate that at all and I think that's a very legitimate answer on Vincent's part because in reading some of the <laughs> subtle little innuendos at the media and I'm, I distrust the media, and, he, and I'm one of them. I know you are. <laughs> he doesn't even trust himself. No, not anymore. <laughs> but there was a little subtle suggestion the other day that Mosellock had, quote, put Carpenter on notice, end quote. But that was all that was said. Well, put him on notice for what? Well, obviously, it's put him on notice that you better blank or blank and you know the expression that is is utilized there well he so far has not he has uh, he hit the two three run homers the worst thing that he could possibly have done because he now now if he ever was going to learn to hit the ball to left field now it's gone never and he is 36 years old batting 113 i think the last one one three wow. that's hardly even i feel like i could hit 113 in the major leagues could Maybe and not, you, and but, you can I mean, probably also learn to hit the ball to the opposite side where the shift right. isn't. Uh, I think that uh, Michael is probably exactly right, and I think that notice was, you better get something done, buddy, or we're going to release you. Yeah, we'll pay you. No, we will. They have to pay him as $18,500,000, but you're also taking the place of somebody else who could be uh, forthcoming. So that's one of the reasons why I don't think that he'll come, that Albert Pujols will come to the Cardinals, because they've got basically... A younger Albert Pujols on their roster already, or and Matt Carpenter. Oh, oh well, in, oh, I see what you mean. Uh, ex- now, yes, but that may also come to an end. Bottom line is the salary, because whoever signs him has to absorb that salary as well. They can pay it the way it works now. If he's a free agent, he can sign, he can no- negotiate his own deal, but that negotiation will be the major league minimum, which is $570,000. Angels are responsible. He's going to get his money anyway. It doesn't make any difference. It's just from whom, and it'll be mostly the Los Angeles team. You know, I I love baseball. It's my favorite sport because, first of all, it's poetic. Secondly, it's got all these unwritten rules that I love. And thirdly, it operates under superstition and myth, even, <laughs> even with all the analytics that are used in baseball today. There's still this 
superstition and myth that surrounds the game, and Michael and I were talking about it, one of the things that, that his coaches would say, and I hear so much when I listen to analysts do baseball games, and that is, watch out, when the weather gets warm, this guy will get hot. Like, the change in temperature <laughs> will do something for a player. Right. Uh, it do, okay. okay, Ned's going to... It doesn't do it necessarily for the player. It does it for the baseball. We did a game uh, Tuesday night of this week, the Springfield Cardinals opener, and it's going to be the same thing tonight, too. It was cold, very cold. I saw three shots, three shots that died at the wall. In July, June, July, August, ball's gone. It's a home run. It flies differently in warmer weather. That's what they're talking about. It isn't necessarily the individual warming up, although that does help. Mm -hmm. I'm cold all the time. (laughs) But it does affect the trajectory of the baseball, and yes, I can see that happening. (laughs) Okay. Ned's Ned's buying into the myth. No, it's not a myth. I think think it is because, you know, the the humidity seems like it would would kill the ball. uh, A ball flies a whole lot farther in warmer weather. And in lighter weather, yes, with uh, a limited humidity, but humidity doesn't uh, doesn't dampen it the way you might think it would. I think he, I think he needs to. I think Pujols needs to sign with the Rockies. Well, he, yes. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And who knows? The trouble is, the Rockies are a National League team, and he'd have to play. He couldn't sit around and be a DH on that team. You call him off the bench as a pinch hitter, but hey, you're still commanding a lot of money to be doing that. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. As we said, so far, nobody's jumped and bit right away. And, uh, you know, I think that's to be expected a little bit. But, well, if something changes during the course of the day, we'll keep you updated. It is Ned Talk, our Mother's Day edition on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Joe Weston, Ned Reynolds. Jay Gillette, Josh Roberts. That's me. We're talking sports today, and it's got a little bit of a quiet time for sports because baseball season's kind of found its way in. Mm-hmm. So we're just really not even what at the almost a quarter mark, I guess. Of uh, a little bit more to go more. before we get to that. So, what are your thoughts on baseball so far this year, Ned? Well, the, uh, the St. Louis Ball Club has, has played a little bit above what my expectations were. They have a nice team. They have a pretty good balance. Their offense is very good. They, <laughs> they had to utilize all of it yesterday in a 9-8 win over the Rockies. Their uh, pitching is very sporadic. Uh, I was really impressed with the way Carlos Martinez has come on the last couple of games, but he got hammered pretty hard yesterday. But uh, most of their others, uh, Gant has pitched very well. Wainwright, who goes today, has he's up and down. Flaherty is undefeated. He's six and zero on the year and pitching six very and well. Zero. Mm-hmm. Wow. He's 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 good pitcher. Very good pitcher. When he gets his head on, which is most of the time, their offense speaks for itself. Uh, you've got Arnado and Goldschmidt in there, and they are perfect complements to some of the others like DeYoung and Biden and uh, Bader, I should say, and people like that. Tommy Edmond, a pretty good leadoff batter. They have a nice team. Kansas City Royals are up and down, and boy, the Chicago White Sox and Cleveland Indians have taken them apart, and they are the two two of the key contenders in the American League Central. Had uh, occasion to talk to Joel Goldberg, who does their uh, pre- and post-game shows the other day, and Joel said, well, the big test for our team is coming up 
in the next couple of weeks, and he met this week and next when they play the White Sox and the Indians and the Twins and people like this on a regular basis because they are strong ball clubs. Uh, Kansas City's come faltering. No, I don't want. No, I take that back. Not faltering. They've come falling back into the back into the pack now after having gotten off to a great start. So from that standpoint, I think uh, probably pretty good. Uh, both teams. Both teams are capable. It's going to take a lot of playing and a lot of concentration on their parts, but uh, I do like both the Missouri ball clubs the way they're playing. The Springfield Cardinals have gotten off to a really shaky start. They're one and four going into their game tonight. How have the crowds been at the Cardinal games? The Springfield Cardinals have drawn very well. Now they're limiting. It's only twenty five hundred who can get in there, but the crowds have all been over two thousand, and that's very good considering we haven't had the greatest of weather, and <laughs> that will certainly right. be the case tonight as well. Jake, you text me on the way in, say, what are we going to talk about today? And uh, I said, you know, I'm open to suggestions. And you mentioned pitching. Yeah, it's, I think I brought up a couple weeks ago where, like in college basketball, the NBA, the new shot's the three-point shot. It's the most f- splashy, flashy. Yep. Um, look what Curry did last night, 49 points in three quarters. He, that's all he does, shoot three points. But he's shooting them from 35, 37 feet. So in, in baseball... You know, these pitchers are doing their job, but the thing is, is that the the hitters are swinging for the fences, every single one of them. It used to be where you would sit, and I remember playing softball, you knew your guys, you knew exactly where you put them in the lineup, so that you knew what you were going to get the best out of your team. Well, when everybody's up there just trying to hit home runs, it gets kind of tiresome. It makes the pitchers look better, because if everybody's trying to jack them yard, you know, you have some no-hitters going on or some roll, you know some shutouts, but then again... You got guys just swinging for the fences, and their their uh, stats are low. I mean, like what you said, what Matt Carpenter's one one three. That's crazy. It blows me away. I'm glad you said that, Jake, because this is something we've taken up here for the last couple of years. I do not do not love the strategy. Mr. Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, came up with a suggestion the other day, and he said they want to move the rubber back by one foot. So from a 60 feet, 6 inches, it would be 61 feet, 6 inches. That is balderdash. What you need, it's because the strikeouts are so high. Mm-hmm. Strikeouts are high because the batters are going for the fence. Yep. Teach True. them to play, hit contact the way it should be. Look at the averages. Good Lord. Uh, some of these averages are ridiculous. The 113, the 198 by pool holes. Where is your hitting for contact? Getting on base, setting the stage for your sluggers. That's how you play the game, and it's all going to hell. I, I don't like it. Don't like it at There's all. There's no great hitters in baseball right now. There's nobody you can point to and go, that guy is a great hitter. I, uh, Tony Gwynn, a Rod Carew, yeah. people like this. Come on. A lot of people point to LeMahieu with the Yankees being one of the best hitters in baseball. His average is not great. I mean, it's 285, which is it, that's good. In today's baseball, right. but you were looking at a lot of guys that were leading the league at 340, 350, 360, you know, the year that uh, George Brett flirted with 400. 390. 390. I mean, yeah, that's that's an amazing. And then when you figure in their on-base percentage, George Brett was probably on base almost 50% of the time, which I think that's the real judge of the game to me is your on-base percentage. That's that's what I look at when I look at a player is how how often are they getting on base? Yeah, whether they're walking or they're hitting singles. I mean, get on that, get 
put your team in position to win, and that's getting on base. Make contact. <laughs> I was happy yesterday because the Yankees played the uh, Nationals, and they won, and Glaber Torres came up, and he's a guy that swings from his heels, and he probably shouldn't. In fact, I know that he shouldn't, but the Yankees got the bases loaded. All they needed was a hit. They put in they The Nationals put in five infielders and had two outfielders, and he just lifted one over the infield, <laughs> and that's all it took. That's all it took to win the game. And I thought, well, there you go. You didn't have to. You don't have to hit a grand slam in that situation. It's extra innings. You're the home team. You just need a run. And you see so many guys go up there and swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. It's 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 hard to watch. Look look at your history and go back to the St. Louis Cardinals in their glory years in the mid 1980s. Whitey Ball. What was Whitey Ball? Singles, doubles, stolen bases, sacrifice. Do mm-hmm. we ever see anybody sacrifice anymore? No. No, 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 no. Me first. That's what it is. It's me first. As a casual, a more casual baseball fan than all of you guys, I I think home runs are exciting, just like everyone else. But I I can even agree with you that there's something lost in baseball when you're not doing that small ball, when you're not getting people on base, because that's what the game is. Like you keep saying, you get people on base, you move them around, you sacrifice them home, or you get that chance to hit a home run, and then it's a two or three run homer instead of one. All these solo home runs are not going to win you games. And it's unfortunate that the game has progressed that way, but I feel like that's a product of the marketing of baseball and the desire for the income. Home run hitters are the big stars. They, they have been for years. And, and so from the pitching standpoint, there's an opportunity for these pitchers to become bigger stars too because if they're striking out 15 or 16 in a game because everyone's swinging for the fences, suddenly people are going to know their name. Four make more money. Four no hitters thus far in baseball this season. There's an opportunity that the record for no hitters will be smashed this year, just because hitting's so bad. It is. Yep. There, it is. There's a real art to being able to hit a baseball. Where's Charlie Lau when you need him? Or he didn't. He wouldn't have put up with this at all. Back in, and we're going way, way back into history now. There was a, a big, not necessarily debate. But a controversy, the great Ty Cobb played in the same era at the end of his career with Babe Ruth. Yeah. They, they intersected their careers, and Cobb could not stand Ruth. Yep. Why? Because Babe Ruth was bringing home runs to the game, and Cobb was a scientific, pure, high-average hitter. Well, the, I think Cobb probably retired at about 1927, 28, 29, somewhere. And I don't know the date, but that's when Ruth was in his heyday. Well, <laughs> they did get together. They didn't dislike each other as human beings. They disliked each other as a, in the approach to the game. But neither could absorb what the other one did. Ruth, of course, brought home runs into the four. Jimmy Fox, Al Simmons, some of these great, uh, Lou Gehrig is another one. They, they all brought home runs into the, the being of what baseball is projected upon in a fan standpoint. What happened now in this era is kind of twofold. What brought Major League Baseball out of the miasma of that 1994 strike was home runs and steroids. Yep. Sammy Sosa, uh, Mark McGuire, mm-hmm. all the others. I mean, these. How about Fernando Vina at five foot eight or whatever it was, suddenly hitting twenty and twenty-five home runs? What on earth? All right, that brought it out. It still carries over today because chicks dig 
The long haul. <laughs> let's, let's point this out, though, okay? It's important to know this. Babe Ruth's lifetime batting average, 342. That's exactly that's right. And that's some, that is some bad years towards the very end when he could not even run. 123 stolen bases. There's guys that are fast in baseball that will not even approach that in their career. His slugging percentage, 690s, on-base percentage, almost 50% of the time he was on base, 474. That means if he hit 10 times, five of those times, almost five of those times, he would be on base. So I understand, you know, the Ty Cobb argument. Ty Cobb one day got really mad because of all the home runs. said, all right. He got up, hit three home runs in a game. See, I can do it too. And then he, you know, went back to hit the yeah, way that he did. Yeah, and he never and did Ruth, it again. Ruth's argument was, look at my average. It's yeah. right up there with yours. It may not be quite as high, but I'm still batting in the 340s, 350s. And Ruth was a great hitter. Great yeah, he was hitter. a fantastic hitter. And I think, you know, what we see of him in the in the grainy photos or the of the videos is that we see a potato on toothpicks, you know, doing those little yeah. <laughs> running around the bases to see, you know, but that's not, that's not who Babe Ruth was. He was a complete player. I mean, he was, you know, complete all-time player. Trying to pull up Ty Cobb statistics really quickly. 1928 was last year that he played. He hit 366, so 24 points above Babe Ruth. I get this. And he retired with a 366 batting average. Yep. Yeah. His, his on-base percentage, though, lower than Ruth. About 40 points lower than Ruth. <laughs> and he had 300 fewer RBIs. Stolen bases, though. 897 stolen bases. And talk about a guy that played the game hard. You know, we'd sit in the dugout, sharpen his spikes, and say, "I'm coming, I'm coming for you, boy. I'm coming down there." And they, people didn't hated him, hated Ty Cobb. That's good. That's a good time. That's the that's what sports is about. I love the old stuff. The old, I'm coming after you, blood guts, putting it all out on the field, spikes high. Did you know until 1950, players used to leave their gloves on the field? Oh yeah, yep. They just throw them down the field and walk off. And then when they went out in the next inning, they just pick it up. And mm-hmm. It ended. Just, the Major League Baseball came up with it. It was either 51 or 52, but I remember them very well, leaving their glove out there. Sure, that did happen. Finally, yeah. Major League Baseball said, and it's a hindrance. No, take them off now. They also <laughs> used to allow, and I, this is right up until the, uh, oh gosh, the midway through the 50s, maybe into the 60s, fans to throw trash out on the field especially when you had an outfield stadium. The old stadiums had the outfield pavilion types. Oh, yeah, kids were throwing orange uh, cups and uh, drinking cups and everything else. Oh, it's a terrible mess. But they allowed that. Now that has stopped. You can't yeah, do that. that is good. We'll talk more about sports. Four old guys sitting around talking about the glory days. It's <laughs> Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Talking about Albert Pujols and his... It more or less release. He's still picking up a paycheck for the Angels, but we wanted to talk a little bit about ignominious ends, and I think this would this would go in that category if Albert Pujols' career is over to be released at the quarter point of the season. Well, in a sense, uh, it would, but that's eventually going to happen to any player who, who is around who insists on sticking with his game. And, and you can understand the ego egocentrism involved here. After all, that's one of the reasons why, why we do what we do. The ego is the great driving 
point of any human being, no matter what sports or broadcasting or whatever the case. If you don't, if you don't have a lot of confidence in yourself, you aren't uh, going anywhere at all. You're not going to be able to succeed. Well, these guys all have confidence in themselves. Albert still thinks he can play. Are you? Is your question designed of who? falls into that category. Well, I was trying I was trying to think of, of of ones that you go and you look at that and you think, oh that guy we talked last week about stayed around too long, but I uh, one that it just was like boom, it's over. Now, right now, this moment, it's over. You're not gonna play anymore. You're not gonna do anything. You're not gonna hang on. It's it's almost it's it's embarrassing end to your career. A great career. Well, they, I think the two are synonymous, though. If you have individuals who uh, are called to end their career and others who, for obvious reasons, they can't get it done anymore, have been around too long. I think the story of Joe Lewis, uh, the world heavyweight champion for, gosh, the late 1930s right through the late 1940s, had the longest string of heavyweight championships. He stayed around, retired, then came back and got decked by Rocky Marciano. And I, I remember the story about that, too, at the end. Uh, the great American sports writer, Grantland Rice, uh, was covering that fight, and it, he was he was devastated because he was a Joe Lewis fan. Now, writers and broadcasters aren't supposed to be fans, but we are human beings. And he said he was standing outside Madison Square Garden in New York, getting ready, thinking about how he was going to write the story, and out from the shadows of the locker rooms or whatever comes Joe Lewis and his entourage. And he remember, he said, Joe, I'm really sorry. He said, don't, no, 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 don't be sorry for me. I've had a great career. This has to happen. It's part of life. Nope, don't feel sorry for me at all. Well, if everybody could accept, and they can't because the human being is not of that nature, that level, that philosophical approach to things, it would be great. But it doesn't work that way. Can you think of a, a player that you that you rooted for, that you were a fan of, but at the end of their career, you almost had to turn away? Two of them. Okay. Two of them fall into, um, in my way of thinking, Steve Carlton. Yeah. Because as a Philly, he was virtually, virtually unhittable. And uh, he stayed around too long. And the other, Mickey Mantle. Mickey yeah. Mantle could not get it done at the end of his career. And he was still young. Heck, he's still in his early 30s when that happened. But he uh, was striking out all the time. His hand-eye apparently was gone. So, yeah, my, those two those two really resonate. Jake, anybody come to mind for you? Um, I'm going to go with football. Okay. Um, watching Brett Favre leave, go to his arch rival, Vikings, and he did okay. Remember, he did he did okay. And then you know they made the playoffs. And but to me, I think football. Those guys have even bigger egos. You know, <laughs> they want to. You know, look what Joe Montana did. Came from the 49ers to the Chiefs. Uh, you got other players that did it. You know, of all people, Randall Cunningham playing for the Cowboys. That still bothers me to this day. You know, <laughs> but uh, another player that it, it was an injury related was Bo Jackson. You know, at the pinnacle of his career in both sports, and then to have that that injury where he basically that hip dysplasia, you know, had that hip issue with the injury and he was never the same. And and what's cool about him is what's he doing today? Have you heard any, like he's not one of these guys that just goes out. Same thing with Barry Sanders. Like they just end at a pinnacle and I'm glad they did, but Bose was injury, 
Barry just said, I'm out. I'm done. Bo lives in Chicago, and I know he does a lot of speaking, a lot of motivational speaking. He was here. We took him in the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. And I was especially impressed with the way he comported himself when he was down here. That was about, I'm going to guess, eight or nine, ten years ago, somewhere around there. You know, he had he had this problem as a kid stuttering. Mm-hmm. He overcame that, overcame it, and spoke very well and presented himself in, in a really positive fashion. And I remember asking him specifically, I said, uh, Mr. Jackson, the way you look, what was your, what was your weight training? How much did you press and things like that? And he said, I never, never lifted a weight in my life. I said, my God, never a weight in your life? He said, no, I didn't lift any weights, but I did 1,000 push-ups a day. All right, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Josh? Well, Bo Jackson comes to mind for me, too. I was thinking, um, you know, just recently, I don't, I don't know if this falls into what we're talking about completely, but Andrew Luck just abruptly retiring from the Indianapolis Colts was a real surprise. It wasn't a forced thing, I don't think, mm-hmm. but he certainly had plenty of years left on his career. And I, was, that it, was it because of injury that he decided just to quit? I don't think it's uh, that part. Part of it was injury, yes, but part of it was he didn't feel like Indianapolis is a very good team at all and going yeah. to offer him some level yeah. of protection. I was, I'm a conspiratorial individual. I thought the fact that his father was involved in this rival football league that they were trying to form uh, may have had something to do with it, brought his son in maybe, but that turned out not to be yeah, the case. Yeah, that ended up not happening. You know, it, I, I know that in Premier League soccer it happens all the time. Yeah. A player gets to a certain age and they just dump them. And then they end up playing in the MLS in, in America for a while. Well, Pele's uh, an example of that. I mean, he's, yeah. he's the... The greatest soccer player in the world at the time he was sure. considered, and and then you know then in the next thing he's playing in that whatever that league was, <laughs> right. the New York Cosmos was the name of the team yeah. that that actually that was probably soccer's best opportunity to kind of catch on in the United mm-hmm. States. Yeah. Well, and, and I, David Beckham tried to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for Manchester United, was very successful. Suddenly he signs with the LA Galaxy. I think it was the Galaxy. Yeah. And to try, and it was to try to bring the LA Galaxy was trying to do for soccer what they did for hockey when they signed Wayne Gretzky all those years ago, and it didn't quite work out that way. You know, uh, again, going back to Michael Vincent, one of the things that he said to me that most people don't realize about athletics is that it is a pyramid. That all these people start out at the very bottom, playing, participating, liking it, and then to get to the very pinnacle. Of the sport, whether that be uh, college football, high school football, baseball, basketball, whatever, and then to become a professional athlete, you're in the very narrow group of people that actually make it to that point. And then there's a pyramid above that with the guys that go to the Hall of Fame and even a pyramid above that where you it's hard to think of guys. The one guy that I can think of off the top of my head, Derek Jeter, left baseball. He had some injuries towards the end of his career, but he could still do it, still got it done, and then, you know, gets a little dribbler in the infield for his final hit and then leaves the game. And that's the way most people don't get that opportunity. Nope. They don't get that chance. And that's, uh, that's, that's a sad thing about sports because we grew up loving these guys and they pass through our lives as we watch <laughs> them play the game. Uh, tell me somebody that you, that over the years... Now, I know you always say to, your, say to us that you're in the media. You're not supposed to do this. But there had to be somebody that you really, really 
an, an athlete that you loved, that you loved to watch do whatever? Tell us about Ron Jaworski. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I know you love Federer. Uh, is it hard I to do. watch? Is it hard to watch him play? Because his decline has been so very graceful. Yeah. No, it is not. Uh, I, I'll tell you who I uh, really as a as a college kid uh, rooting for Norm Van Brocklin of the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the championship in the '60s. Here's a guy who'd already been in pro football for 11 or 12 years with the Los Angeles Rams, and he wasn't getting it done. wasn't happy with them. Philly brought him over in Philadelphia was awful, absolutely awful in the late 1950s. He single-handedly turned them around. And in 1960, they beat the Green Bay Packers for the NFL championship. The AFL was fledgling back then so that nobody paid much attention to them. And he won it. He won it on a snowy, cold day in Philadelphia, beat the Packers. He said right then, okay, I'm done. I have done what I wanted to do. I've won a championship. I'm out of here. And that's when Sonny Jurgensen came over and took over and was already there and uh, took over the quarterbacking duties. But, uh, I, yeah, I think watching Van Brocklin play the game, play it as a relatively speaking old-timer, take the beatings that he did and uh, still recover and win a championship, that resonates very strongly. We'll be back as we wrap up Ned Talk on this Mother's Day on Water 4.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Really quiet in football right now. There was no big stories this week, ex- except the Aaron Rodgers soap opera still going on. That's, so. that's in the NFL. For us uh, college freaks, there's the FCS playoffs. <laughs> And uh, I did, and I was telling these guys, I watched the semifinals yesterday with South Dakota State from the Missouri Valley Conference taking apart Delaware, and Delaware has a good program, 33-3, to and then watching Sam Houston State score 28 unanswered points in a five-minute period of the third and early fourth period and to come from behind and beat James Madison 38-35. to And those teams, Sam Houston State and South Dakota State, play for the FCS National Championship next Sunday, and then they have a whole three months off, and then go back and play the fall season. Oh, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> baseball, baseball, you know, they take they don't take very much time off. Hockey doesn't take any time off at all. Basketball, no time off. So how are you going to wrap up your day, Josh? What are you going to go home and do? Are you going to watch some uh, watch some soccer, some football? Uh, no, it's all over for the day. What, yeah, what happened with the, the Manchester thing? Bring us up to date on that. Well, I tr- I looked that up today and there's really no new news. I mean, I guess the, the crowd dispersed after a while and the owner has said he's not selling the team, so they're still up in arms about it, so who knows? Uh, Manchester United played today, so they didn't storm the field again. <laughs> they're right actually now. They may not have been at home, they may have been away. Okay, alright. So what are you going to go home and watch today? Uh, probably not much. You know, with it being Mother's Day, I'm going to take my mother to an, an early dinner at Jim's Steakhouse. So. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. They're they're a sponsor, so you can you can legitimately do. Oh, that. okay, so well, good. Yeah, I like if that. not, you'd be in trouble right Whoops. now. Whoops. <laughs> so, well, all right. That's as good. I'm sorry I didn't clear that with you, but it's good that I didn't make a mistake. Tell your mom Happy Mother's Day. For I will. Us. I want to pass along Happy Mother's Day to my mom, Martha Bell. My sister, I want to pass along one to Ashley, also to my wife, Renee. So, uh, Ned, what are you going to do with the rest of your day? 
Well, mine uh, mine involves my profession because we'll have a televised baseball game tonight starting at 6. So that means uh, I get to the ballpark about three hours ahead of time to do all the mathematics because it takes me a long time to add one and one. A long time. <laughs> and we have to go through all the algorithms. Too. <laughs> you got to untie the shoes, bring out, take off the socks. I do. Count the toes, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me help you with that. It's two. <laughs> two would be the answer to that one. What about you, Jake? Uh, I, I love golf right now. The uh, the Wells Fargo Championship in North Carolina. They have It's cold today for them. Uh, for Unseasonably cold for... The, the East Coast and that area usually is kind of hot and muggy starting in May. So, do you actually go home and watch golf? I I love golf, man. <laughs> I do. But doesn't it put you to sleep? It puts me in a Zen mode. Oh, okay, okay. Can really I interrupt does. for just a split second? I just <laughs> okay. want to tell you a story that an old longtime general manager of mine was not a fan. And back then, NBC had, you know, every tournament in the world on there. And he said, you know what I would do as punishment rentals? I said, what, sir? said, I'd lock a guy in a room for 18 hours and make him watch golf. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I could watch it with my dad, but as far as I couldn't sit down and just take in golf. Do you play? Yes, I do. Or did. That's why I watch it. I find little things to tweak my game with. I see what they do. I'm nothing like those guys, by the way. I was going to say, you need to go play with Vinny sometime. <laughs> okay. And Dan Beaver. Oh, because, good uh, heavens, no. Yeah, He's you need to go play with those guys sometime. Drive the ball 800 miles. Sounds Beaver. like a good player to have on your scramble team. Uh, he yeah, is uh, fifth in the world in driving. Wow. And he does uh, amazing trick shots. He's, uh, he's got a barn. He's from, from Rogersville. Yeah, he's I've got seen a, him. He's got a barn at, at his house or, or some additional part to his home where he sits and just works on these drives that he does. Sometimes I'll try to show it to you guys. You out there in the in the atmosphere, you to look it up online, YouTube, just look up driving golf ball through a guy's legs and see what you find. And uh, it's pretty amusing. Anyway, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Ned, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Are you going to be at the fire station next week? I am not, but I do have plans. So you will not be here next week. Josh, will you be here next week? If you want me, I'm here. Josh is here. We will also have uh, John Oliver with us next week. So join us. Ned Talk, it's brought to you by 104.7 The Cave. And it's brought along by Mike the Intern, Scott Meyer, Corbin Campbell. We'll see you guys in the very near future.